Welcome to the Ocean Cruisers podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Maddie and Herbie from the YouTube channel The Rigging Doctor. These two classic sailors are currently in Puerto Rico. Having spent the past year in the Mediterranean, they recently sailed back across the Atlantic to embark on a new adventure. Their boat is over 50 years old. It has fully synthetic rigging and an electric motor, which made them the first two people to cross the Atlantic in such a boat. They don't use a chart plotter or weather routing. They use paper charts and a barometer for their ocean crossings. They have some incredible plans for their channel, including sailing around the Caribbean and working on a completely new project. You can experience Maddie and Herbie's adventures on their YouTube channel, The Rigging Doctor. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy. Hello, listeners and viewers. This is Andy H. Welcome to the Ocean Cruisers podcast. So this week, we're going to have a conversation with Maddie and Herbie of the YouTube sailing channel, The Rigging Doctor, really interesting couple from North America. They sail a 50-year-old sailboat, fully synthetic rig, custom done by themselves, electric motor, custom installed by themselves. They sail the old-fashioned way, paper charts, a sextant, and they rely on the stars. Really interesting story. So they've recently sailed over to the Mediterranean. Now they've sailed back over to the Caribbean. They're in Puerto Rico at the moment. So in the podcast, we have a conversation about their boat, the work they've done to it, installing the motor, changing the rig over to synthetic. And then we also have a conversation about some of the stuff that they've got planned for the future. They've got some major refit videos coming up for a 30-foot sailboat that they have. So they're going to do a series, which is buying a boat on the more affordable side and then getting it ocean cruise ready so those videos are going to be great so if you're watching on youtube like and subscribe if you listen to the podcast on a usual network subscribe on those so you get the notifications when the next one comes out and enjoy the chat the truth of it is we didn't start this journey with any intention of being world travelers for three and a half years yeah it started with so i'm originally from puerto rico when we got married we're like hey let's let's Go visit Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I, I suggested let's sail there. And the plan was in nine months, leave Baltimore in, in Maryland, uh, sail to Puerto Rico and then be back in the Chesapeake Bay. So we uh yeah. saved up money for to kind of fund nine months of cruising. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> uh one thing led to another, and we didn't even get to Puerto Rico. We got to the Bahamas right. and we we just decided, well. I mean, Herbie always had this dream, this like pipe dream of crossing the Atlantic Ocean, and we had the boat for it. I yeah. Mean, and it was either beat to windward for like a thousand miles to get to Puerto Rico, or go downwind and go to the Azores, and then and just like come yeah, around to yeah, Puerto just Rico, come back around. And <laughs> yeah. then when we got to the Azores, we're like, hey, we're pretty close to Europe. We might as well go in the Med. Yeah. And then wow. yeah, and it's, here we it's are. It's just been a series <laughs> of prolonging <laughs> yeah you're in one port and you're like well, let's yeah, go to the next crazy. one yeah, that would look cool yeah, yeah. and so you're just going around yeah. the world and just taking one bit at it oh well that looks good let's try there now that looks good let's try that yeah but yeah. actually like that's Brilliant. pretty much how it's been like oh we're really close to morocco we could hit like another continent on this journey like yeah let's, why not yeah, yeah which that then like going to Suriname because we're like you know let's hit something in south america yeah and then when we're in madeira another cruise we ran into was like telling us all this great stuff about Suriname. And we were like, yeah, let's look that up. Yeah, let's, let's go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> That's brilliant. So yeah. the whole the whole experience is completely by 
chance and coincidence. You were meant to just go to Puerto Rico. So it was basically yeah. like, I'll, I'll just, I'll take my lady and show her where I'm from. And then it turned into yeah. a little trip. <laughs> <laughs> Very short trip. So you, you really swept her off her feet in that case. Yeah. And I was the one who kept on looking up these other places like, oh, this this place looks intriguing. I, I We had never even heard of the Azores. And we were like, well. Yeah. well so I had like the, the long distance that it was going to be. And she's like, is there any land between us and Europe? And I'm like, well, there's these little islands called the Azores. And then she started looking at pictures of them. I was like, we're going to the Azores. So yeah, very pretty. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then we stayed in the Azores for 10 months. Yeah, because I know yeah, that, you, you did some refit work on the boat when you were in the Azores. Was that right? We did. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah. We got the Azores pretty late. Yeah, so they told us that either we had to leave like in a week for Portugal or else you have to wait till spring to go. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. yeah we liked it then. We're like, hey, let's just winter here. Yeah. So then while we were on the hard, I was like, oh, let me, you know, we'll refit the head because that's something I'd wanted to do since I bought the boat. And, uh, and I hated the galley. Yeah. Hated it. So it started okay. with like minor <laughs> projects. So the galley, I thankfully was redo it. It wasn't anything. <laughs> Uh, structural. When we were refitting the head, we found out that our main bulkhead was rotten. So then oh, I had to no. okay. scarf in wood and patch that. So. It turned into a much bigger project, but a luckily, project. I mean, we had the time and yeah. it was the perfect place to find out that we had some rot because we were just living aboard 24 7. The weather was terrible. We weren't going anywhere. So also, the Azers are incredibly cheap to do boat work. Yeah. So all oh, the really? wood that we okay. rebuilt the head was uh, 60 euros. Yeah, it like and, super okay. cheap. Yeah, and that's well, like okay. marine grade wood as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Whoa. it's uh, Japanese cedar. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. So they okay. they use it to build the boats there. Mm. So it's it's hardy it's, wood. It's a hardy. It's not a wood that in the states they talk about using for boats, but it it's rot resistant. But it works. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it it's works. just whatever's local and like whatever's sustainable. Like in Asia, they use woods that you are clearly never heard of if you're from Europe. And then in Europe yeah. for uh, boat work, we use like a lot of the African wood because um, it's yeah. like sustainably transported up and then across the med and that type of stuff. It, that's crazy that on the Azores you could find like decent quality hard wood because in mainland Europe it's pretty tough. Like I'm in the south yeah. of Spain, you cannot find like marine grade quality wood anywhere. Wow. It's so oh hard man, to that's, I think we got really lucky. Yeah. Um, so the, the galley is uh, Sapili Mahogany from Africa. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. And that it's beautiful. Was, that was really cheap. So all the I grossly overcalculated how much wood we needed. So we spent 300 euros for the wood for that. And then we had enough wood to also build a rack for our dinghy and braces and supports for the solar panels. And oh, right. um, was quite a, lot more. <laughs> a big pole to just hold stuff out if we need to, because it's like this really strong one. I'm like, what am I going to use this for? I'm like, Made I'll make something else out of it. Just make a pole. A bunch yeah. of cutting boards. Oh, yeah, cutting boards. Yeah, I just <laughs> grossly overestimated that one. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've got it there, take advantage of it, use it. How, how did you find, <laughs> like, doing that type of refit work in the Azores compared to the States? Was the materials, like, as easily accessible and it was as easy to yeah, do work? Yeah, but you ha I had to learn Portuguese because the shops that sell it spoke mm. no English. Yeah. So that... I know my woods and screws and tools in Portuguese really well. But nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, go to dinner and I'm like, um... <laughs> Can I have five pieces of wood and some screws? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had to uh, kind of really switch our brains over to metric. Oh, yeah. I, I bought a metric. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, because everything in this boat, I mean, it was made by an American. So, uh, yeah, it's all, States. yeah, it's all metric. I mean, it's all uh, imperial. Peri imperial. So, mm. yeah, in the States, we actually call it standard. And then when we got to Europe, I learned it's imperial. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's, it's so crazy that like the world just have one system for this. But, like, so my boat is, um, my, my boat's from 1995. It's the Moody, which is like a very, yeah. old school British sailboat, really strong boats. That's all yeah. um, imperial, that's not metric. Um, oh. So I, I, I had a nightmare because I've just been doing some refit work, like some stuff to the engine and the head and um, just a few bits to the outside. And I'm going measuring stuff with, with my tape. And I'm like, why, why is this like 26 point something millimeters? Like, it's it, it yeah. a mistake. And I'm like, oh no, it's not, it's somewhere <laughs> around. But you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I worked in um, the oil and gas industry in uh, the Middle East for a long time, and I, st and I still do it now. And over, over there, you get a lot of Americans from like Houston working in the industry. And, um, you know, like the, the way we measure things, we're like, oh, 25 mil, 30 mil, 40 mil, and you can measure it, it looks good. And then they yeah. ask for us wrench, and they're like, right, a, a three eighths, five fifteenths, something. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? That's weird. It's strange. Oh, yeah. It all ended up on one yeah. system. Yeah. Now, a funny thing, we found that plumbing everywhere we've been is in inches, and in yes, because of you guys actually. Yeah. Because yeah. we set up we, plumbing we still in all the work in that way. So the funny yeah. thing in Portugal, they. They had no idea what an inch was because when I went in my very first time asking about inches, they had no idea. And then when we're doing the plumbing in the OGs, I mean, you have to like find something that'll fit our inches plumbing down the metric. And uh, and then everything was pulgalash, which is Portuguese for inch, but they think it's it's mm. also Portuguese for thumb. So they're like, I don't know, it's a two thumb right, pipe. Okay. I'm like, no, it's a two inch pipe. Measured it like this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had no but, idea about that. So they must have been on metric for a long time. They must have been on metric for a really long time. Yeah. To the point yeah. where somebody in a DIY store yeah. doesn't know what an inch is. He thinks you're talking about a thumb. Yeah, Maybe. that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had to look into the history of it because I, I made I was uh, buying a bunch of fruit holes a few months ago, and we, we've had like a series of other lockdowns in Spain, so I haven't managed to get to get to my boat. Mm -hmm. I, I've got so much stuff to do. And I made a series of mistakes with through holes. So I was measuring them in metric, thinking, okay, the, the through holes and all through holes now are measured in, uh, I think, no, not through holes, but the uh, seacocks, the metric that I was yeah. ordering online for. And I made a complete mistake. And then I ordered them in, then I went back and ordered them again, but in inches, like one and, one and a half inch, one three quarter inch, or one and a quarter inch, I can't remember. And then they came and I was like, this, this isn't, how I measured it. What's the problem here? And they said, no, no, the one and a half inch isn't the measurement of the outside diameter, which oh, usually things so. are. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I was like, well, why have you got this system? This nothing else in the real world works like this. And they were like, no, it's it's from like Victorian days in in the UK. So come on, we've we've moved on since then, yeah. <laughs> but they still use the same system. It's really weird. Yeah. From like the underground bronze plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just call it what it is. A two-inch pipe is a two-inch pipe. Like, uh, <laughs> made a difference. So any, anyway, I've, I've now got in a box, I think about 300 euros worth of fruit holes <laughs> that I need to oh. set back at some point. Yeah, I went for a free goes of it. I, it was stupid. I could have researched it first, but yeah, I, I did go through quite a lot of fruit holes to get the right the right sizes. Um, where, right, cool, look. Where, yeah, where, I just, very quickly, where in Southern Spain is your boat? Oh, so we're in Malaga. 
Um, so it's oh, okay. I, th I think you, you, you guys just sailed yeah. uh, sailed past. Yeah, we were, were in Almeria. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, Almerimar. So very close by. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah, neighbors yeah. for a little. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those, the, the area itself down here is beautiful, like geographically, we've got mm -hmm. gorgeous mountains, the beaches are really pretty, but the sailing is pretty poor quality. Oh, um, it's awful. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was be, I was trying to be polite to all the people who live here. <laughs> no, it is, because you get, you get the huge currents coming through the yeah. uh, Straits of Gibraltar, and when they come exactly. around the bays that we have here, they actually increase in speed. So you get stronger yeah. Gibraltar currents, uh, like around Marbella, for example, than you actually do in Gibraltar. Um, yeah. Which is, is so annoying, because if you don't know, like the first few times we were sailing up, just when there happened to be like an incredibly strong current, we were going like under the engine from like seven knots to like three knots. And I'm like, oh my God, we've caught a lobster pot. And we were turning around quite often. I mean, and there's like yeah. a three knot current coming through. But this is like 60 or 70 miles like outside of the Straits, it's crazy. At least you had a motor, a diesel. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did. <laughs> when we went That's... from uh, Almeria back to Gibraltar, mm. we we didn't want the horrible winds because it was either no wind or like close to sixty knots of wind. So we're like, okay, we'll go in no wind. And I I found the chart that had the currents plotted, and we just rode the currents all the way to Gibraltar. It took four days, and it was it was rough. It was yeah. If you want to see a hilarious map you just go to our uh tracking map and you can see our track like from <laughs> oh. yeah from gibraltar to madeira while we're going through oh, the strait yeah. of gibraltar we're like doing loop de loops yes. and like all oh. kinds of things well, people were watching like what the heck is yeah they, they thought we turned back and then came back out again it's like no no boat was pointed west the whole time it's just <laughs> tide was in Tide let up a little. Tide was in. Tide let up a little. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's so crazy. And the, you know, the thing is as well around this. I, I think it gets better once you get to like the Balearics. You know, once you get up there a little bit and you get out of the currents yeah. and you, you have more like stable weather systems. But yeah, this particular area, it's it's so irritating because you can have a great day of like no no swell, no waves whatsoever. You've got like fifteen to twenty knots of wind, which is perfect. And all of a sudden, you'll cross yeah. a, a bay. And then you've got like two meter waves and, and the wind's coming from yeah. the other direction. Like You'll see terrible. just like the water's like just boiling and just like all these white caps rolling along. It's like, oh, there's a current. And mm. when we were going to Gibraltar, we just would hop in those. And if they took us the right way, we're like, oh, good. And if they didn't, then we'd just make our way back out and look for another one. It was. It's great if you don't have to yeah, sit to a timetable. If you don't have to be somewhere at a certain time, it's perfect. Yeah. You can just chill out. Yep. Although it is still uh, frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going incredibly slow. You know, going slow isn't that bad as long as you're making progress, but it's when the boat is just like doing this and you're mm -hmm. going in every direction. Gets, yeah, exactly. A lot of times when we're uh, from Amedia to Gibraltar, a lot of times we're broadside to where we wanted to go because the keel works better mm -hmm. to catch the water and pull us than if we were pointed. Yeah. So we just literally just drift. It was. Yeah. Uh, that was a thing. Yeah, we don't mind going slowly as long as we're going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like when the bow and the course over ground align. <laughs> <laughs> it's better for sailing generally. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Well, I, I wanted to ask as well. So you arrived in. Actually, can you just talk through the timeline of like when you got to Europe and then where you yes. are now? Can you just explain the trip because you, you've done a lot of miles yes, in a short space of time. So we yeah. left. For, we left for everything. We we left our marina in Baltimore, uh, July tenth, two thousand seventeen. 
And we then decided to, after a horrible experience around Cape Hatteras, we decided to go south uh, down to Florida and the Bahamas. And that took us about a year because we were just ironing out a whole lot of mishaps uh, with the boat and- Yeah, well, stuff that we thought would be good for the ocean and then was not good for the ocean and just being <laughs> well, out like, there. Give us some examples. Uh, well, for one, our anchor sat on the bow roller and there was no actual retaining mechanism. So oh, right, horrible okay. seas just hit the anchor fluke and pick it up and toss it. And then it's, you know, it's just like <laughs> yeah, tops into your bow. Like that, that was a big one. <laughs> uh, the ICW, it turns out, is horrible for boats uh, with a six and a half foot draft. Yeah, so... we'd be in the channel yeah. and the tide would go out and we'd just stop. It's like, well, we're on the bottom. But the weather was so yeah. bad that we had to be in the ICWs. By the time we got south enough, we started going outside and that was fine. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, long story short, we got to Florida in about a year from when we left. And we were like, well, we planned for nine months. It's been a year. We haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> but, it, but it's like starting to be fun. So, so we and at that point, our YouTube channel was like starting to kind of pick up. And we we're like, well, if we can really get this going, maybe we can afford to go out for another year. And by starting to pick up, we were like a little over a thousand subs. Yeah, it was not much. <laughs> well, you guys um, do very well on Patreon, don't you? Like you, you generate. Yeah, um, we had a yeah, couple. Yeah. We had a couple wonderful patrons who kept us going and like wanted to see us get somewhere. So we we're like, okay, for the everybody patrons. was rooting for you to get somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, come on, guys. Please go somewhere. <laughs> so we spent a couple months in the Bahamas. Um, and then it was time to cross the Atlantic and we went to Bermuda. Yeah, so we that was June 2018. Mm -hmm. We left the Bahamas and went to Bermuda. And then we spent a few days in Bermuda and then did our hop to the Azores. That took us 26 days. Yeah, so we arrived in the Azores early August of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we spent 10 months in the Azores, yeah, which so, was phenomenal. Yeah, so we were really supposed to leave like early May, late April, because you could, but we just, we loved it there. And then a guy came to our boat to invite us to his restaurant, and he was telling us a story about how he and his wife were on their way to England, and they, they just pulled in for a weekend 10 years ago. And, and we were like, oh man, we gotta get out <laughs> of here. We gotta go. We walked each other like, oh, it's already like mid-june and we're still here like, <laughs> we have to leave or we're never gonna leave yeah so, so like we did. In one we conversation you saw your entire life flash before your eyes i know we have to leave exactly now. Yeah. we're like oh geez. <laughs> we're like we'll still be on this boat in this marina i haven't sailed anywhere so uh, yeah. we we did a very unconventional trip to porto um and since we have an electric motor we can't motor through that like high pressure system mm. that's that between the azores and yeah so we did Spain. like this huge arc yeah, we actually yeah. came 500 miles south of Ireland and England, mm -hmm. and the, the UK, Big and up. we went up, yeah, we went up to about 50, 50 something, and then came over and then dropped down went right down. onto the Iberian Peninsula. Yeah. And we had a fabulous time in the Porto area, yeah. the Duro Valley. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. And then after like five months there, or like four Ooh, months there. We were there. No, nine. We were there for a really long time, and then we were like, yeah. we should leave again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so we went down the coast, and uh, we, we went to the It's quite Algarve. funny. It seems like every time you decide you want to leave somewhere, it's because you like it so much. It's yeah. Like, yeah. We, we, we could probably stay <laughs> here, like, so oh, we no. need to go. 
yeah, we're gonna stay here forever. We're in, we're in danger yeah. here. We usually <laughs> run into a cruiser who's been there like his whole life, yeah. and we're like, oh crap, we're on that track. Like, <laughs> no. I could see myself in this person. Let's leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we went to Algar for a few weeks, and then we went in. Nice. We were like, all right, let's go into the Mediterranean. We went to Cadiz. And uh, then we went to Morocco. Yeah, which... we, we had to reset the vet. Mm-hmm. And because uh, oh, we were yeah, getting close to the 18-month mark, I didn't want to pay that. So, <laughs> um, well, a funny thing. So, we actually bought this boat for 20000 So, when we got to the Azores, they're like, oh, you know, 18% or whatever the percentage was for the vet. And I was like, okay, like, we're planning on, we might be here for a long time. Let's just get the vet out of the way in this country where it's, you know, a cheaper vet. And I had the original papers, the purchase papers and all. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't care what you paid for the boat. It's what value I determine it to be. And if it's crossed an ocean, it's, it's at least 100,000. No so way. That's 8,000 uh, euros we would owe in taxes. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing that. We're not paying that. That's great. So, but, yeah. you know, so I think some countries just make up the rules however they decide. Oh, yeah. yeah, I Portugal, think it's like, we need some money this Portugal month. So that. let's change yeah. it. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I was really worried about France because France has an issue or a, a track record of not accepting that if you leave and then come back, that that counts to reset it. They're like, no, it's still banned in Europe for I think technically more than 18 months. You now owe us a bat. Yeah, it, it's it's very frustrating. So anyway, yeah, went to so Morocco, we went to reset Morocco, the bat. And we're, it was fabulous. We were supposed to be there for a day to reset the vat and then leave and then we were there for like two, two weeks, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> which parts of morocco was, then, uh, which uh which city we were in tangier oh, right, okay yeah pretty yeah it was a wonderful marina in tangier um and then we did some we did one little trip inland uh by bus city. to the blue city of uh Chef Shallon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah which was really magical um, and just a totally different culture from anything we've experienced, which was really cool. And that's what sailing's all about. So I think after the, the, that, one of the most we... interesting parts about that area is like the distance between the UK, which is Gibraltar, and yeah, then Morocco. Like and nothing. the difference in culture is crazy. Like you can just yeah. sail for a couple of hours and you're in yeah. a different and that's continent. What we did. You're in a different world. Yeah. It's so strange. It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, really a surreal experience oh one good thing about navionics though so when we left tangier i had in my mind how like it would be i think nine or ten hours to make it to morocco uh gibraltar Gibraltar. so in my mind i saw this giant rock i'm like that must be uh tarifa because Mm. it's too soon okay we had the current pushing us so we were going like seven knots so we get closer to it i'm like that really looks like the rock of Gibraltar, but it, it can't be this quick. And I looked at Navionics and it was, and I was like setting a course to go around it. We would have missed it entirely if I didn't look at the chart. <laughs> I, I was just like, that really looks like the rock. And he's like, I think that's it. I'm like, it can't be, it's too soon. She's like, check the chart. It is a magical thing coming yeah. up on the rock of Gibraltar just because yeah, of the beautiful. history, exactly. like the yeah. sailing the sailing history that surrounds the Rock of Gibraltar is so rich because uh, yeah. the Mediterranean, that's where sailing was, you know, born. So, and that rock just represented so much. And so it was a very magical experience to come up on that Rock of Gibraltar. And we we loved it. And we actually, at that point, we anchored uh, in, in La Linea. Yeah. Yeah. And we walked to Gibraltar from there. 
Uh, I think a lot of people do that. It's quite hard to yeah. get into the actual marina in Gibraltar. It's pretty difficult to get yeah. there. It's there a lot not easy. It's yeah, not it's, easy. It's tricky and it's free in La Linea. Yeah. You have to pay in Gibraltar. So, <laughs> and at that point, we were not in the mood for paying anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an expensive marina yeah. as well. Though. Yeah. Uh, so after that, we were we decided to go further into the Med to Italy. No, Sicily. Sicily. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we, plot a course, yeah. <laughs> so we plot a course for Sicily and this was november of 2019 mm -hmm. so it was getting a little late in the year we were like oh we late. gotta leave now because like the meds about to get really bad yeah yeah so we were timing it there was uh, a poniente that was blowing in through the street and then if we rode it we'd arrive at the end of a mistral so then we'd have a calm before the next mistral would come and like we were if, like we were ready every, for some rough water yeah we were yeah. ready for hell but 45 and 50 knot winds but the waves were only like 12 to 15 feet but they were crashing yeah they're so the close that they're just coming so in close. Yeah. We were, it, was the, yeah. it was the first yeah. time we've actually been like scared um, yeah so we actually waves crashing so much it actually ripped our trisail because yeah. we were under trisail and staysail oh. and cooking along at like nine knots <laughs> and it ripped our Ugh. ripped our storm sail and we were like oh my yeah, gosh so then we're like well we can't heave two anymore and then our wind steering for whatever reason it just kept turning us north like it would not point downwind we brought down the torn trisail we're like all right just the staysail there's no way we can go upwind now and we kept turning north anyway and like going upwind with it so then so i looked at what was north and was, there was this magical marina called Almerimar. Yeah. And it happened to be the cheapest <laughs> marina in the Med. We didn't even know that uh, at the yeah. time. We're like, all right, boat wants to go north. We're just, we're just going to go. So we just so went there. It was a very difficult decision because oh, it meant not giving, up, giving up our dreams of Mediterranean sailing. Yeah, and just the like, plan was we were going to go to Greece. Yeah. If we got to Sicily, mm -hmm. then like February ish on a calm patch, we could make it to Greece and like sail through the Greek islands and. And we knew that yeah. if we turned north now, like our chance was over. Um, it was done. Because we. Yeah, because of the time of year. Is the yeah. time of year. And like we didn't want to spend an entire year extra in the Mediterranean. Mm. So, I mean, unlike what we've been doing <laughs> like, everywhere. So we, uh, we went into Spain and we decided, all right, let's compromise. Instead of going into the Mediterranean with a boat, let's rent a van and van through europe for two months yeah yeah and it like was a good trip as well it oh it was awesome. awesome yeah well so maddie was thinking about it because i was outside like holding on the waves are crashing through and like picking me up and i'm like holding on to the binnacle i'm thinking there's no waves on the road and like every wave would crash through and i'd yell down to maddie i'm like i'm still here like i didn't fall off and i was throwing up all over uh, the it was like miserable. So during that, apparently she was also thinking about what if we van through Europe instead of sail this <laughs> So it is easier. So then we get to Spain. Yeah, we're both alive. And at breakfast, I'm like, crazy idea. And I was like, wait, me but, first. Yeah. Me first. And I said it. And we were both thinking the exact same thing. So it was an amazing trip. But the thing was, we COVID. didn't realize it, but COVID was on its way. So we actually were in Austria in the van, uh, yeah, headed we, to Budapest. Yeah, and we had a Sound of Music tour booked like for this one day. And oh, we're on the tour and our tour guide is freaking out yeah. about some pandemic thing. We're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're like, that's in China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even know, like, the way we were thinking. No so. news at all. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'd been following the pandemic. It was in China. I knew it was going to hit Europe eventually. I, we were, I was like, it's fine. Yeah. We'll be. So then the tour guide's like, you know, in, at midnight, they're closing all the borders. And we did the math and it was 14 hours if we drove fast to get to Spain. We're like, well, we can't make it by, like, by midnight. So we'll, We'll ride out yeah. this lockdown. Two it's going to be two weeks. Yeah. You know? so we, yeah. 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 We, we just stocked up the van, went up on a mountain, had some nice hikes, enjoyed the views, came and down. came down, and it was like full-blown lockdown mode. We were like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, this is not Was it like home expect- confinement lockdown in Austria? Everybody was... Oh, yeah. It was, was yeah, lockdown. nobody oh, was allowed was out. So, yeah. so we started yeah. running out of water, but like there was nowhere to get water. All the campsites were shut. So uh, apparently the lakes in Austria are drinkable. So we did a bucket brigade with water bottles to fill up the van's tank. Like it was We camped out. We were, <laughs> Lengths was, people went to. It's crazy. This, yeah. is, this is the middle of the winter. We're freezing. We can see our yeah. breath at night when we're sleeping. The van doesn't have heat. Yeah. So we're like miserable. And we're like, but we're stuck in Austria. We can't get back to the boat. And we kind of posted this kind of like a joke video video like, like this is a day in the yeah. life for us like here we are and i was showing like what literally our life yeah like, like we'd go on hikes and on the hike i'd look for good firewood and then pick it up and that was how we would then cook our dinner we were cooking our dinner on firewood like in well, on this beach, random yeah. lake like with the van anyway yeah. so this amazing guardian angel follower of ours said oh i've got an apartment that's empty about an hour from where you are right yeah now. he's like would you want to spend the lockdown in an apartment instead we're like yes <laughs> we <need to> <laughs> water and food and all yeah. that type of stuff <laughs> like everything <laughs> and it was like in this bubble town where the pandemic hadn't hit it was still locked down but you could go to the grocery store you could go on hikes and so we were so lucky we were stuck there for 50 days yeah we were waiting for spain opened. to open so as you know how spain handles the lockdown so we <laughs> pretty severe so, yeah. yeah so by the time we finally got back to spain we were well, actually so the way we got back to spain we have yeah. u.s passports we weren't even allowed to be in europe because in austria mm. one of our first nights at one lake a cop came by and was like you can't be camping there's a lockdown and then we're like we're american we explained the situation is like you have to fly home we're like our home is a boat that's in spain we can't get there and he's like just leave by morning so we just went to a different lake that had a different <laughs> cop that didn't care and like kid better. Uh, uh, but so the van happened to have Portuguese tags. And while we were in the Azores, we got Portuguese residency. So it hadn't expired yet. And we just drove back to Portugal. And when we home. entered, yeah, we were driving home. And when we crossed the Spanish border, uh, they gave us a paper that like said that we had, we were going to Portugal and we had to go the quickest and safest way possible. So we drove to the boat. I burned that paper. We parked the van and told the company you had to come pick it up. We can't drive it anymore. <laughs> and yeah. And we were back home. And we were we were home. And so then we spent the remainder of the lockdown in Spain. Yeah. And then uh, we decided well, they started let's, getting let's, a little uh, go okay. a little faster. Well, here. Spain started getting stricter again. Yeah. So we're like <laughs> to Gibraltar, and then we did the marine in Gibraltar. So we were mm-hmm. in Almeria for a long time, and then we went to Gibraltar again. And uh, that was our like Mediterranean like five day. But oh, before that, we went on a friend's boat to the Balearics, which was fun. Yes. Oh, there um, the uh, the Amo. You uh, put yeah, this on YouTube. Yeah, yeah exactly. really good. Cool we rode on an ML. Yeah. yeah, it is. But we learned how much we love electric because he motored at a very nice speed. Like if the boat went less than six knots, he made it go seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we motored from Almeria 
to uh you went to oh, Mandera, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, he went to the one that has sorry but the way he explained it, it's the one that has the the city that the trashy british people go to that's that, that could be yeah yeah okay okay but the, the we, we, we ruin everywhere that's one of the places yeah. <laughs> yeah so but there he went and got fuel and it was 450 euros and he and had a full tank yeah just for a little bit we're like because oh. our <laughs> monthly budget is 500 so we're like you just blew our month's budget on fuel they use a volvo is it a volvo days. engine in the yeah big ml yeah I, yes, we, we became very uh we became very aware of everything about that engine because Herbie spent most of the time down Fixing in the engine it. room. Yeah. yeah, he had a mechanic in the marina fix it, and then the mechanic forgot to connect. Well, it ended up that he didn't connect an oil fitting to the turbo. So when the turbo would spool up, it would just pour oil into the engine bay. Oh yeah. no, they are a really so good engine, a... but you you do have to yeah, maintain yeah. them well. You have to yeah. always service them on time. No. Yeah. It was a great stint to the Balearics, though. We really enjoyed it. Um, but then we were ready. We were like, all right, let's plan our ocean crossing. Like, let's get out of here. It's time to get back to the back across the Atlantic. So we did a lot of research and a lot of planning. And it was very difficult to plan our route when we had no idea. Like, places were just opening, closing, opening, closing. Like, countries were opening, closing. Yeah. So we didn't know if, like, we leave and the country's open, but when we arrived, the law could change. Yeah. So we decided, like, we're going to go to Gibraltar, and then we're going to go out to Madeira, and we'll cross our fingers that by the time we get to Madeira, it's it's open. And it wasn't. And it... <laughs> it but, but it wasn't, so they never, they didn't check our stamps, which was a good thing, because we had, like, well overstayed our European visa, mm -hmm. because So at this, at this point, we're in... <laughs> I hope no one from the authorities is going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, to I know. So, so I, well, we're out now, but... <laughs> Never coming back. So what we're supposed to do when the when our Portuguese visa ran out was go to the uh, customs office and get stamped out and then stamped back in on our US visa, like the 90-day business. But in I Gibraltar, asked them about, no one would stamp us. Well, yeah, Gibraltar was supposed to stamp us out, or stamp us in, but they wouldn't because we did not enter by frontier or plane. And okay. like, I'm standing in front of the guard, and he's like, You are not here because you did not come in by frontier or plane. I'm like, Here I'm, I am, I'm right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just anyway. a lesser type of human because of the way you entered the country. <laughs> yeah, so, so in Madeira, we were worried that they'd noticed that we'd like well overstayed our Schengen visa. And then the guy like accidentally opened past the first page and shut the whole passport and only looked at our picture, wrote our name down on a paper and was like, let me know when you leave. And when we told him we we're leaving, he just scratched our name off the list. We're like, cool. Really nice. <laughs> Do you think he did yeah. that intentionally because they just wanted yeah. to be oh, yeah. flexible with people? Just, yeah, that's good. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think they needed like they wanted the tourism, but they couldn't. Yeah, like, they couldn't legally let us in because yeah. they were closed mm. and where are we gonna go like <laughs> tiny island in the ocean and we're obviously leaving because he's like you know where's next and we're like cape verde he's like okay so it's not like we're yeah. gonna be there forever so. so at this point it's september of 2020 yep and we are in porto santo and we went we spent a couple weeks there and then we went to yeah. uh madeira island the main island where we then spent a month we spent a month there because madeira is incredible it's so beautiful yeah beautiful <laughs> Um, and then we sailed down to Cape Verde 
And yeah, we skipped the Canaries because Spain and the COVID stuff were like, no. <laughs> they <laughs> just got into another lockdown yeah. as well now. I think actually last week they just started doing another one. Wow. So, yeah, Canaries, I mean, yeah. we just, we were like, all right, let's not prolong this anymore. We know that the, the, the Cape Verde, I mean, there's more chance that Cape Verde is going to be open. So we got there and it had just opened up. It was like our well, luck. We were all ready to like get turned away from Cape Verde and, and just going cross the ocean. Like it was a very, it was a very stressful kind of mentally yeah, idea so. because you're like, it's 10 days from Madeira to Cape Verde. And then from Cape Verde to our destination was going to be about 25 to 30 days. So we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to be 40 days at sea if they don't let us in. Well, you were prepared to make that trip. So you, you we were provisioned yeah. up, you had your spares, you had your water, you could have done it. We we provisioned in, yeah, yeah. in Gibraltar for a 60-day passage straight to the USVI. We, were, yeah. we figured the U.S. Virgin Islands can't turn us away because we're American. <laughs> so and it was like, <laughs> it was insane. I mean, it was really insane. And But it was, it was not a happy thing. Like, we weren't like, all right, 60 days at sea. We were like, we were like, <laughs> our hearts, yeah. Yeah, like trying to figure <laughs> out, we only carry 20 gallons of water. So like, all right, how do we ration it? And, we like never yeah. showered. Yeah. So, um, so it's going to be the smelliest Cape 60 Verde, days of our relationship. They, <laughs> yeah. But actually, yeah. eh, they're just familiar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we made it to Cape Verde. They Cape, let us in. Cape Verde was open, but the police had not received a memo from their chief guy to let people in. It was, so it it was, was complicated, but we did get in. After five we were days in, of arguing with them. We were in Sal <laughs> Island, which turned out to be a wonderful oh, place. It was so awesome. Uh, we made a lot of friends and we were only there for like four days, um, but it was great. And then we, we left to cross the Atlantic. Uh, what was the date? It was like October, October 18th. 18th. And that is when we directed our bow towards Suriname. Actually, we directed our bow towards the equator because wow. it was still hurricane season. <laughs> so we had to go south of the hurricane belt. It was an unconventional journey again. Yeah, yeah uh, different we, time because most people yeah. leave it a little bit later and just do the trade exactly. with yeah. When hurricane's yeah, done okay. and make a quick shot. We left early for a few reasons. Um, mostly, we were we wanted to be in the Caribbean. We wanted to have plenty of time in the Caribbean. Yeah in before well okay we wanted to be in the virgin islands for christmas because we were hoping that our parents would fly down to visit us here yeah but then they couldn't because all the COVID stuff but mm. so we we're like all right if we leave early we can spend some time in Suriname and then make it to the vi for christmas so so we were gonna spend yeah. about we got to Suriname. it was a 28 day crossing um yeah. we went down we crossed around four north we had all kinds of weather we had yeah. squalls rain uh, calm, zero. beautiful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the wind speed ranged from zero to fifty. Yeah, it was, and it was, it yeah. was a ride. Yeah, because <laughs> doing it so far down at that time of year, you would have passed through like multiple weather systems to actually end up where you ended up. We did, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, my biggest, my biggest kind of gripe with the passage was how hot it was. Like, yeah, we were just down to the equator. It's hot. <laughs> we were, we were so sweaty the whole time. The other thing, that far <laughs> south, the world's longer. Like so, it mm. took more miles to cross each longitude. Well, in all yeah. of our all of our water tanks, you know, they're underwater. Uh, mm. So, and the water is warmer, like significantly yeah. warmer. Yeah. So you're ocean. hot, and then you're drinking hot water. It's yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say like the first ocean crossing was, uh, was fun. Like yeah. we had a fun time. 
the, the second one, I don't... It was a bit of work. It wasn't fun. Um, it was fine. We made it and we felt so amazing when we got to Suriname. We felt like we had really overcome this incredible yeah. like mental and physical challenge. So, well, the other issue was to go to Suriname, there's the Guinea current runs along the coast of South America there. Mm -hmm. So with our electric motor, the current gets up to about four knots in places. So, and it's a couple hundred miles wide. So we're like, all right, we can't, if we're trying to cross it and we get becalmed for a day, we're going to miss Suriname completely. So we ended up having to come in, get really close to Brazil. Like we were about 50 miles from shore. We were directly Brazil. across from the Amazon River. Yeah, uh, we were going to the Amazon Delta. Yeah. And then at the Delta, we then turned and went north and then passed French Guiana. And then we came up on Suriname. Yeah. And Suriname was fabulous. So, we, we were there for two weeks and we ended up staying for a month. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we... <laughs> we left we left on november 14th and we're like if we leave now we might make it to the vi for christmas and we got here christmas eve so that, that so was the if, first if time we leave now we might not end up living here for the rest of our lives so let's go yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but it was the first time we actually like set a like a date plan mm -hmm. in this whole three-year trip we were like, and then, all right. And actually made it because we've we set date it. plans in the past. It was like, an incredible <laughs> experience because it was, it was, it was the first, it was, first of all, it was Charlie's first big sale. So that was fun. And the second thing is like, it was a big, if we, we, with the electric motor, you can't set dates. You just can't. And we knew that going in. And so we never did. Um, but this time we were like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's get there by Christmas. Yeah. It's like, beam reach and the trade winds well actually it should have been broad reach in the trade winds mm -hmm. but i didn't realize that after you're out of the guinea current then you get into this giant really high speed thing called the equatorial current <laughs> so we were beating the like the compensate for the current to head north we were beating into the trade winds. it was a horrible days. path oh no Awful. Yeah. So trisol and staysail. We never used the motor. Yeah, no motor and just storm sails, and we're doing over 120 miles a day. And um, we were able to zoom with our families for Christmas, which was fabulous. And here we are, still in the USVI, enjoying it, and we're waiting for Puerto Rico to open. Yep, that way we can finally get there. <laughs> One challenge after the next. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so yeah it's been a difficult gonna... year. It's been. It's been crazy, but it's well, it's been. I mean, we felt very blessed. One thing, like well, you managed to also, make an amazing adventure out of it as well. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. did the van um, well, stuff. People, you went over to the Balearics. You've got back over to the uh, to the Caribbean. You, you in, in terms yeah. of traveling, it's been really good. We managed yeah. to find these like kind of bubble areas where the pandemic just wasn't as serious as it was in a lot of other places in the world, like Gibraltar. Like they didn't even wear masks in Gibraltar because they just didn't mm. have it. Um, and then in Madeira, like it was fine and Cape Verde was fine. We just, it was like, but we also go to off the beaten path places. Yeah. Suriname, they had like 14 cases. Yeah. So we were just in these places. We were lucky enough to be in these places where we didn't, we were still smart. Um, but we didn't have to worry. We were able to get around and to see amazing things despite yeah. the pandemic which i mean i have felt like we were some of the luckiest people this past year uh after yeah. seeing some some stories i know because i mean especially with the, the timing of the journey and when you came into the med if you would have just set off yeah. like a couple of months later or earlier either way you could have been stuck in italy for months 
I mean, there's people that, that are still our, locked down we in Greece like, and haven't yeah. been able to leave. That, that's why we're like, Guardian Angel kept making the boat go north. Someone was watching out yeah. for us. I mean, I, I swear, like, we would have been so stuck if we had gone in and actually accomplished our plans. It, yeah, it yeah had we toughed it out and gone to Sicily anyway. Yeah. So, we would not be sitting in this tropical Caribbean right now. <laughs> no, we would so, not. Have you got any plans? Because it's rare that people come from your side of the world to this side of the world and don't go to Greece and Croatia and Turkey because that's where all the history yeah. is. And, and, and being know. American as well, generally <laughs> yeah. Americans want to go there because that's where democracy was formed in a way, you know, like in Greece yeah. and around that part of the world. Do, do you never want to come back over here and actually sail around those islands? Charter. Not in this boat. Yeah. Charter. Okay. It's easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> enjoy it uh we Someone do we have boat. we have plans to charter a boat in greek in the greek isles like i i still want to sail around there i've been to italy many times uh not by boat um but it's it's my favorite place in the world so i mean we're gonna get there uh we're just not gonna sail there <laughs> we i feel like we've kind of earned our stripes right like we yeah, we yeah did it once, you know <laughs> Uh, and, and we overcame these challenges. We, we were the first people to do it with an electric motor and synthetic rigging. Um, and we, uh, we feel very content and accomplished with what we've done. And I just think that, uh, I, and we still have many sailing adventures in our future mm -hmm. that we're very excited about, but crossing the Atlantic again is not one of them. You should write to the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records. Like a 60 year old boat with like an electric motor Dyneema rigging, which I'm obsessed with, by the way. I've got a lot of questions about the Dyneema rigging. <laughs> you should write to them. You should you should see if you can get a little little piece of it. Might be worth it. Yeah. Well, rigging Dr. Blur. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I think uh, there's, there's a big difference. I mean, being based where you are, coming over and doing a couple of week charter, you could see quite a bit of a certain area of like the Greek islands. I, th I think we're going to do that probably this year or next year. Um, mm. Because it's going to be amazing. I, I, I don't want the risk of going all the way up there and then something else happens. And it's like, well, I don't want to leave my boat like 500 miles away from where I'm paying for a mooring. And there's a big difference between flying there and hiring a boat for a week than bringing your house to the other side yeah. of the planet so yeah yeah, could, yeah definitely go for the charter option yeah okay so you could you could be coming back in the future and it could be in the form of, of a charter that'd be a bit easier yeah and it would give us a chance to kind of experiment with another boat because this yeah. yeah this is the only boat we've ever been on uh yeah, it'd be fun to go on like other than the ml yeah mm. um so it, it would <laughs> bending cats yeah watch the bows go like this in waves it, i just i'm intrigued to like try out another kind of boating lifestyle uh just for a few weeks even because i mean a lot of other channels you see they kind of shuffle boats and everything yeah but... which that we don't understand like they, they fix their boat up make it really nice get everything perfect and then sell it <laughs> and then start over again with a new boat i mean like, they, we have we, our souls are like embedded in this boat like we could never sell this boat yeah so. i've lived on this boat for nine years yeah. like, <laughs> Not it's different though because uh, you have a real yeah. boat you're like your boat has history and class and yeah. personality when, when you get a boat that's a 10 year old fiberglass shell it, this i don't know it's like i i love classic cars and uh, i you know it's like if you went to a porsche garage 
today and looked at a new 911, you'd be like, yeah. oh, that's fancy and really nice. If I saw one from the 1970s, I'd be like, whoa, that is that is a piece of history. That is amazing. <laughs> and it's the same like your boat because it's, it's yeah. got character and class. Um, yeah, I, I think if you have more production style boats, you could easily flip them. You don't become attached to them, you know, because you look around yeah. the marina and several yeah. people they're, have got they're, Yeah, that's the thing. They're just the pool. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so yeah there's a big difference there and so like but it, that doesn't mean i'm not interested in like sailing other boats mm -hmm. so i definitely like just the idea of chartering a boat in the greek isles just sounds so mm -hmm. cool to me uh but you know we'll see it's so all a question about your um your ocean crossings because you guys do these crossings on very limited technology because you want to do it yes. the old school way um I suppose coming over would have been a bit more coming coming over to this part of the world would have been a bit easier because you did it at the right time of the year and you have got winds working well, in your favor. So but this return trip doesn't sound uh, like an easy one. So so the the return trip weather routing wise is a lot easier because going oh, yeah? north, uh, we followed the, the thousand twenty millibar line is what we followed because yeah. that had 20 to 25 knots of wind behind us and just carrying us along. So we're looking so, at the barometer for that. Yeah, so the barometer, mm. if the barometer would start falling, that means we're too far south, so we have to head more north. So our, our path was kind of a zigzag snake following air pressure. Mm. So that was that was a little tricky to figure out that's what I need to do. Because when we first left the Chesapeake, we were actually heading straight to the Azores. And we got that horrible storm of Hatteras because yeah. I hadn't quite figured out the uh, weather routing part yet. It's also so. like it's much easier to hit a continent than it is to hit like a, a little cluster island. of islands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big continent as well. <laughs> yeah, so like we had we had a much bigger target, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, so then coming back, it was. Uh, like I honestly I looked at the barometer just out of curiosity like oh I wonder what it is today but I didn't care it wasn't going to affect where we we're going to go it's just we'd look at the clouds and everything there blows down wind, or you know blows to the west yeah being in the <sighs> trades was a huge uh huge yeah even though we weren't having the positive effects of the trades because we were too early uh, we still had the wind always blowing in the correct direction. Whereas yeah, like yeah. in the in the first crossing, we actually had four days where we went backwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we did a little circle there yeah. and got nowhere. And we went a lot. Went away. We went a lot slower for the first crossing as well. We averaged three and a half knots. Yeah. And the um, second one we averaged four. That's, that's pretty that's slow for an Atlantic crossing. It is. Yeah. It's very slow. Yeah. Um, do you think that's actually, because of the weight of your boats or was it more to do with the, the timing and the it weather? Was, it was the weather at the time because we talked, once we got to the Azores, we, we arrived in Horda, which is like a really big hub for boats crossing the ocean. And we talked to, we got to talk to a lot of other people who also made the crossing and everyone took a long time. Even everyone the ones that motored the whole way. Yeah. Like, it was like a, that year was just really slow with the wind slow favorite, with the wind <laughs> yeah our favorite was a guy that his motor died when he was leaving bermuda so he couldn't motor and it took him 40 days and we're like oh, we didn't wow. motor yeah, yeah like, like, um, that's literally like, twice oh, as okay. long as you were probably planning it's pretty good yeah. maybe some sailing lessons for you fellow yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no it's so yeah. cool though but one of, one of the main advantages of having the electric motor like i i've I heard you say in the past is that you are you're, you're forced to sail which is actually a good yeah. thing because you're not relying on something. 
it's, another, it's our favorite thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> big thing is like when you get caught in a high and there's no wind, if you motor, you will stay with that high the whole mm-hmm. way and you're never going to have wind. If you don't motor because you can't, the high goes away the wind comes back and then you keep sailing so well one of my favorite moments um we were actually in a high when we were leaving cape verde uh so we we had no wind we were like yeah let's go across the ocean and we just like sat well yeah (laughs) the colonel carries about two knots so yeah sure um so but since we didn't have the ability to just motor through that we saw this whole like just a ton of little of the size of my palm like newly hatched sea turtles turtles just going right by our boat and it was like it was this moment where we were just like we were so elated and happy and like it brought us so much joy to see these little baby sea turtles just like going by our boat and we were like this moment never would have happened if we had a diesel yeah, we'd have been zooming through and it would have been like, you know, we wouldn't even notice them. So it's given us a chance. And we had moments like that in the first crossing as well, where we saw some wildlife that it was just like, this is incredible. We're experiencing the ocean rather yeah. than just using it as a um, transportation. Yeah, like a road. Like this, this is a living thing this is incredible and so i feel like we gained a lot of appreciation for just like the ocean itself and felt more connected to it because we were forced to sail and because we were forced to just sit or sit in it and like look at it for so yeah. long it's one of the most magical yeah. parts about being on an ocean you know just just sit at the back of your boat just, just look around look at the stars look at the water it's like there's so much more to life in the world uh-huh. Then, you know, just sitting in an apartment or in a marina or something, you can experience so much more. I remember the first time I saw baby turtles, it was in, I can't remember, but one of the Greek islands, they have a beach where hundreds of turtles come to lay eggs every mm. year. Um, wow. I can't remember which island it's on, but it's a very famous island just for these turtles. And we just happened to be there at the right time of year when they were hatching. So you weren't allowed on the beach, but you could uh, shine flashlights because they only do it at night. You could shine flashlights yeah. and see. There was thousands of them. It, it was oh. like if you, if you were looking outside on the pavement and you see like a swarm of ants, it was like that with baby turtles. There was thousands that's, of them everywhere. It was so amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, I can't remember which uh, which island it was. If you Google it, baby turtle yeah, island, so. Greece. Yeah, it's, it'll <laughs> pop up. I imagine it'll pop up. Yeah, it'll be on there. Um, right. Okay. So the electric motor situation. I, I take it when you bought your boat, it had a diesel engine in it. It did. Okay. Now, what made you, so you, you obviously had a very strong boat with what I imagine a very strong engine or fit for a very strong engine. And you decided well, to had, replace it with electric motors. Yeah. So the motor it had, I, it's really old. So it was back in the day when it was sail with auxiliary diesel. Okay. So the motor it had was 20 horsepower. Right. For an 18 ton boat. Yeah, so it wasn't actually very strong. So, it, was, I mean, it was pretty underpowered. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I was looking at electric and I was also being realistic. So I priced out diesel and I was told for this way to boat minimum 75 horsepower, ideally 100 horsepower. Well, and Herbie, like before oh, okay. I even, before I came into the picture, before we were even thinking about electric, um, he already sailed with the mindset that you have to have for an electric motor. Yeah. So actually, when I before I bought okay. the boat, I wanted a boat that was electric with synthetic rigging. So when I had the diesel, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I just won't use it. So I never used the motor and did everything by sail anyway. So then when the motor finally like 
started having a lot of annoying issues yeah. often. <laughs> We're like, all right, let's just take it out and go electric now. So, so yeah. it was a, it was actually, it was not an easy decision to make. We asked a lot of people and for their received, opinions yeah. and we received all kinds of, and we were asking well, people who weren't even boat people, just like, hey. It was pretty unanimous though, that we were crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could just imagine um, in a cafe, like, hey, Barista, what do you think about electric? <laughs> 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 Well, it wasn't that quite that random. But <laughs> wasn't yeah, that much, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was, it, it wasn't an easy decision because we knew we were sacrificing a lot uh, when we switched. You're sacrificing the ability to get somewhere at a certain time. And, um, you know, that's huge. <laughs> so yeah. we, but we did it because um, we really liked the fact that it was so environmentally friendly uh and we really and we're like very we're huge advocates for the environment so and we also really liked that it would save us so much money in the long run because we're we're you know we're not rich <laughs> so and diesel's quite expensive the well, yeah so it's the the diesel motor was actually only at the time a little more than an electric motor but there's no fuel pretty much no maintenance like once a year i grease two zerk fittings that's it yeah so, and like you just like okay you, you're you're powered by the sun so like yeah. we did have to spend some money on batteries and yeah. we had to spend some money on solar but all of this is for long term mm. uh so you have to think about the future and in like after looking back at the three and a half years the fifteen thousand miles we've sailed it has saved us a ton of money and yeah, it's given us and it's given us the opportunity to feel incredibly accomplished and like real old-fashioned sailors <laughs> yeah. but it's so just so much I, nicer like not... being a sailor the, you know the worst thing is when you get to a spot um, or, a, or a high if you're crossing an ocean and there's no wind and it's like okay what do you have to do turn on the diesel and then you're just there bum, 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 yeah for yeah. like 20 hours yeah. it's a horrible yeah. noise <laughs> yeah. it's yeah the electric motor it's it's when you're right next to it it's about it's like a hair dryer i always say a quiet hair dryer. that's like what it sounds yeah. like it's um, this little whirring sound yeah that's it and no smell which is my favorite ah. part yeah because <laughs> I, I really hate the smell of diesel yeah yeah and uh yeah no smell whatsoever and you're just gliding through the water like silently people are looking at like you like are they are they motor like <laughs> it, it's funny uh, Which actually a good part one time my steaming light was burnt out and it was night and uh i saw a cop and i yeah so i was coming in and the the cop came along and was like you have to have your steaming light on if you're motoring i'm like i'm not motoring sir and he stuck his head out and didn't hear a motor and was like all right have a good night and just went on and I was like, yeah. brilliant because i was going like two knots so it's not like i was you know so one thing that we've, uh, so we didn't, you know, we never use the motor, but here in the Caribbean, it's actually been really awesome because one thing that electric allows you to do is like, just go in short bursts, yeah. uh, like just give it a little speed and then, okay, we're, that's it. Um, so like when we're grabbing a mooring ball or even when we're going from cove to cove. Or just tacking, like yeah. you just need a little bit of thrust to help you through the tack. Yeah. yeah you just turn on a little bit of power off you go like if we did that with the diesel we'd kill it Imme yeah, like, immediately. yeah kill the batteries yeah. as well yeah exactly yeah. so it's we been it's just stop. been it's been really cool for like this style of sailing that we've never done before 
this like short little like trips from here to here, you know, like 40 minutes, two hours. We, we literally have never done that before. <laughs> yeah. So everything we've done, like you leave a port, it's like, okay, a couple 10 days, days. Yeah. <laughs> to the next port. We're here it's like we leave and we're gonna drop a lunch hook so we're discovering wow. all these great things about the electric motor that we hadn't used before the other really big thing is hydro generation yeah when we we're yeah. crossing the ocean just the prop spinning made pretty much all the power we needed yeah yeah so. oh so actually another thing to touch on the uh do you know about the jimmy cornell issue with his electric Whoops. boat fiasco uh no, no, he no, no, set no. out uh, so he set out on electric uh, uh, Ultramere with uh, electric motors and all to prove that it could be done and to circumnavigate. And he made it as far as the Canaries. And then he was like, nope, can't work. And it, his issue was he, yeah, he, he was using it like a diesel. Well, um, and he had a uh, microwave uh, induction cook induction stuff. Cook stuff. So. Yeah, like that he had like all of energy. Yeah, yeah. He just all the electronics ever. And so it was frustrating because we're like, oh, like we've can, done this. It can be done. Yeah, like, he's like, you can't cross an ocean with electric. It's like you do. You use your sails. <laughs> yeah, you go by sailboat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. So what? So with with regards to like the the electric motors that you have in your boat, was this like a self made system, or were these motors specific for a sail application? So the, the motors are not specific for sale. They're industrial motors. Uh, okay. The whole kit is specific for sale. So it's a, a company called Electric Yacht. And oh, they make yeah. Yeah, Mont Energy motors and then Sevcon controllers. And there's another little bit that he makes that like does Carries something. It all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. So it's two motors in parallel with a belt drive to the same shaft, which goes to the prop. And right. that's it. They they spin and the prop goes and it simple it works. Like you turn it on, <laughs> if you hear the solenoid click, that means you have power and off you go. Yeah. It's it's really nice. It's foolproof. It's a simple yeah. system. Yeah. And simplicity so, on a boat is just so important. And I take it the way to improve on that system, because the, the motors themselves are fine, would just be add more solar, add more batteries, and then yes. that will go for Which longer. Is, and that yeah. is exactly what we are in the midst of doing. We were having this oh, conversation nice. all morning, actually. We're, we're trying to go lithium because really, I mean, if you're going to go electric, you need to go lithium. And now, we, we yeah. have not. Now, we say that, but we've sailed 15,000 miles on lead-acid batteries. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we have 200 amp hours of batteries. Like, we don't have much juice at all. But we also don't have a truck. So you've got water. 200 amp hours of batteries for your electric motor. That's it. Yeah, at 48 Whoa, miles. Whoa, you've so really well. Eight batteries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't use it. So, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it, it works great. We never use it. <laughs> but, yeah. like, big things. Like, we don't have a water maker. We don't have an electric autopilot. We don't have a chart plotter. We don't have any electric cooking things. Um, yeah. We're, we're so, like, simple. And so, yeah. that's the reason it works for us. Yeah, but, like, have... most people, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, like we. So have, you you guys uh, are steering with a wind vane when you're under sail. So when yeah. when you do yeah. need to turn on the motor or you need to just hang out for a while, I take it you it's just straight back to yeah. the helm and one of you's one of you is driving the boat. Yep. Yeah, but if okay. we're motoring, it's because we're coming to a port, so we'd be steering anyway. Yeah. And yeah. in Europe, we learn that you're not allowed to sail inside marinas and harbors, but yeah, we true. don't really have the range to make it. 
all the way in, or well, to make it in with enough power to also comfortably dock. We mm. we don't feel comfortable with that. So we would sail as we'd far sail until they yelled at us. Yeah. <laughs> so you could see someone then, waving. The <laughs> then you put the sails yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Put the sails down, put in reverse, stop at the dock. It's like we're here. And they're like, you can't sail in here. Oh, we didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, learning how to dock in a marina under sail would be quite a fancy technique. So maybe that's something you could try. In the States we've done that. Yeah. Like if the winds are at the right angle. You just come in by sail. And you can and, just go straight in. Yeah, we come in, and the motor's purpose was reverse to stop us from hitting the pier because you know you have your forward motion. And it was just the brake, and that mm. was it. And it it works really nice, and it's reliable. Like we can count on the motor to stop the boat. This Whereas, is in mm. in light winds. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what what is your what what's your end goal with this electric motor? I know you said you want to get some lithium. So you thinking like like a lithium pack out of a car something that size so you can actually really push the boat a long way with the electric motor yeah there are so many options with lithium yeah so there's yeah. you can either get the cells and build your own battery which i've been pricing and looking at heavily but then there's no warranty uh you can get batteries from like companies that make them and then they come with a warranty but they're more expensive and then there's like used tesla batteries yeah which don't have a warranty but are i was talking with her a lot about that today because they fit and they're very energy dense. So it, many <laughs> options. So, and, I, I mean, yeah. the real answer is like, we're still weighing know. out, like it's still a really, it's probably one of the biggest decisions that we're ever gonna make on this boat. Cause like, it's so costly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no that's so expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were kind of trying to wait until they came down enough, but like, we're gonna be doing the ICW over the next year and we just can't do it again the way we did it the first yeah. time it, it was not it didn't work so the way we did it the first time was 150 watt panel charging the motor bank and a 15 amp charger and we have a generator and, yeah hooked yeah. up to the generator oh. so it was like pitifully slow and we were just like oh. we can't do that again yeah. especially since we're going to have the dog with us and the yeah. bird and like it's just yeah, I have We're I have more power yeah. just for my refrigerator than you do. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then in the Azores, we upgraded that 50 watt panel to a 150 watt panel, which is still nothing when you're trying to push the boat. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to build the hard dodger system and put about 1.2 kilowatts on it. Oh, wow. A lot. OK, that's cool. So with that, we're like, OK, that'll as much as we can, that'll put yeah as much as we can i want like minimum 1.2 kilowatts because that is what our current battery charger puts out so i'm like right. okay if we can do that without the noise of the generator i'd be happy so <laughs> have you calculated like how many watts of solar how many amps of battery you need to push that boat at hull speed over an electric motor have you calculated that uh yes so uh Yes. <laughs> so at hall speed, we use and it's a lot. <laughs> uh, about 200 amps, which is about 10 kilowatts. Okay. And then you need enough power to power that. So it's it's a yeah. lot of power. It's actually a lot of solar. <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot of, of yeah, solar. 10 kilowatts. Is, it's not possible with, with our, like you need a catamaran with like yeah. giant. And we tried those panels. like flexible solar panels. Oh, we put them on our deck. They broke like immediately. So quickly. <laughs> they're not worth the money. Yeah, yeah. they're not there. Yeah. They're not there. The hard dodger is yeah. going to be hard panels. I like sat. You're supposed to be able to stand on them. I like sat on one and you it just. the cells. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Sort of well, I've, I've had friends who bought them and they they buy them and think, oh, look, it's so cool. You can bend it. I'm like, why, why do you need to bend it? It's a solar panel. But, but no, <laughs> yeah. nobody has flexible panels on the roof. You know, everybody has rigid panels. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. for it. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is so yeah. great. Like, will you, it'll bend. It'll kind of bend to the, uh, the, deck. the deck, you know. And, like, conform to it. Yeah. Nope. Oh, it was crass right not away. Good. Mm. <laughs> so, I think speaking yeah. of the plastic that they're made of seems to, um, I won't say like, deteriorate but it becomes cloudy so i don't think you're actually getting as much power out of them once they get um, to like a, a certain age as well they don't seem to last we ours, never we yeah. never made it to that age yeah ours died like <laughs> it was bad it was unfortunate yeah with, with regards to like the lithium uh, the lithium power that you want to put in how much do you think it would actually cost to get a battery well, bank okay in, i just that did all that happy with. today so with Okay. A bank I would love is about fifty thousand dollars, like my dream bank. Uh, and it actually, good. Yeah. yeah, it's the those electric buses in France that run. It's like a two hundred kilowatt battery use. bank. Yeah, that's that's the it's fifty grand. So that's too much. But you need a much bigger boat to accompany the uh, the power yeah. bank that you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, what we're looking at is somewhere between five and 600 amps at 48 volts. Uh, I okay. should know what this is in kilowatts, but I just, I don't. Can't Sorry. help you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know our current one is a 10 kilowatt bank and we're 200 amps. So it'd be, it'd be 30 kilowatt roughly, like 25 to 30 kilowatts would be what we're shooting for. Because at that we could run for over okay. an hour at full speed, which is more than we'd ever do. And like when we motor like comfortably, like we're we're going like three knots. Yeah, like three to four knots, mm -hmm. and we're drawing between sixty and hundred amps. So we're like, okay, if we have six hundred amps, we could run at hundred amps for six hours, and that's plenty of time to get to the next anchorage mm -hmm. in the ICW. Uh, yeah. So, and that that wouldn't take up so much space on the boat as well, because that's not a ginormous battery bank. That's something pretty much. Yeah, it's not. But so, batteries on Alibaba. So sketchy Chinese companies that might be scams, they're anywhere from $1,500 to $4,500 to do that. Uh, batteries from companies that are made, uh, they're about $12,000 to do that. And then the used Tesla batteries I was looking at today is about 6,000-ish, somewhere around there. So- It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for what it is. It's just not in our current budget. Yeah, so we're, we're <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody ever intended to spend so much money on batteries and, you know, they start sailing yeah. on the boat. I know. Well, what a lot of people are doing in Europe is, um, okay, so obviously now you've got Tesla and you've got Volkswagen that are investing a lot into um, ele electric vehicles, but we had, we've got a company called Peugeot. I don't know if you actually have Peugeot in the States. Uh, oh, it's a French, it's a French no, company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they started We're, doing electric vehicles, I think, in like 2012 or 13. And um, so a lot of people are actually going to scrapyards, junkyards, yeah. getting those uh, power banks, which, which are huge. Um, I think at the time, Persia were capable of like a 200 kilometer stretch, which not not good now by yes. our standards. But when they first came out, it was impressive. You know, it was good for like a work, yeah. like go to work, a commuting type of car. So a lot of people are now using them for like sailboat applications and that. Uh, uh, I do other things around the house, uh, you know, like industrial stuff, that type of thing. So, yeah, it's it's. Do you, do you, I suppose in the states you don't have any brands like that because the only real brand that's investing anything into EV is Tesla. Tesla and, and Volkswagen. 
Oh, so all oh, right. So they're they're popular in the states. No, but they, they exist. Like I had an eagle yeah. off, and there were like none of them. Well, they're yeah. getting more mm. and more. They're starting. Yeah. Yeah. So like Ford, Chevy, like all the American companies are starting to also do electric vehicles now. So yeah. they're they're getting more batteries. But all those cars, they use a battery uh, cell that's a pouch, which it's nice because if the cell overheats, it can expand before it explodes. And then, you know, you don't have the horrible fire that goes with it. But the problem is it has to be in this really strong, heavy metal box to hold the pouches. So now you're going to put a metal box in a boat. It's just going to rust. It's like, yeah. I'm not a fan of the pouch system. I like either the... 18650 cells they're like little giant double a batteries little giant <laughs> yeah that's a good one uh but yeah. they look like double a batteries but they're bigger and then uh the other one is these like brick cells that you can just they stack so nicely uh so I, mm. i've been looking at those guys a lot but the the like coda yeah. and a couple of them, they they use the the pouches and i just, i don't like the pouch I think it's nice when you can actually see it's a battery and you can move it, take it out, service it if you need to service yeah. it. It's, it seems nicer. The other nice thing is you take the cell, like the cars will be uh, like hundreds of volt cells, like a battery bank, and you just open it up and then rewire the cells into something that's 48 volts because each one is about 3.2 volts. So you just set them up in series at a lower voltage. It's like... Once you open it up and don't look at it as this like complicated, weird space age box of mystery that makes a lot of power and just like break it down to its components, then you see that you can just rewire it and play with it and make it what you need. And then you need to make yeah. monitors for it. It gets complicated afterwards, but it, it's it's simple in theory. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope, like the, I hope the future of sailboats is that they all just move towards electric rather than diesel. Um, I just think, I think we, we just I need think a bit of like we, we need a. Well, I think batteries need to come down in price. There's so many battery yeah. technology being tested at the moment. There's a there's a company in the UK. Uh, there's one company in the states, like Carbon something. I can't I can't remember yeah. what it is. Anyway, I was I was reading up on it a few weeks ago. Carbon release, maybe something like that. But it looks like we're getting somewhere. Um, beyond yeah, just no, like the standard type of battery that we have now. So in Colorado, in the States, they came up with uh, solid state batteries. So it's lithium without okay. the liquid electrolyte. And the liquid electrolyte oh. is the part that bursts in the flames. So you literally take the fire part out of the batteries and you get so much more juice out of them. And uh, mm. before COVID, Volkswagen said but by the end of 2020, they would have solid state batteries in cars on the road. And then COVID. So... I don't know if they ever did, but the point is, like, there's R and D towards it. Yeah, yeah the intentions there. Out, yeah. yeah, so that was our big hope: was once solid state batteries come out, either we could hopefully afford them, or the other lithiums would become worthless. We'll come down and in then price. We could buy those real easily, but yeah, that hasn't quite come yet. <laughs> so. so the future will tell. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose you'll, you'll figure it out. That we'll find out. Yeah. Right. The next yeah. thing I want to ask about, I am. Um, I am very obsessed with uh, the concept of a Dyneema rig. Uh, I really want to do this. I think I'll do it when one of my existing uh, standing rigging pieces snaps, probably most likely, because I can't yeah, see the, I, lot of I can't see getting the enthusiasm it, it. to do it beforehand. I just see so many benefits. And, and one, one of the biggest benefits that I've seen is what you spoke about before was just the weight uh, distribution. 
yeah. of the boat and just getting rid of all of that steel that's so high up and I, and I think yeah, you mentioned you, you noticed so yeah yeah you noticed a significant reduction in yeah heat. yeah what we used to uh when like any wind the deck would go in the water and the tow yeah, rail would be, be over awash. 20 25 degrees like right oh, off the in light wind and now it is a lot and you know that's fine when you don't live on your sailboat but when yeah, yeah like it's fun the boat heels over yeah. you're like oh it's great you're like yeah here we go but when your house is literally on the inside <laughs> and like it's all yeah it's like okay no thanks so, so now yeah. like if we hit 15 degrees we put a reef in because we're healing far mm. uh, but we never do like it's it's just uh yeah like so much lighter we cross the ocean like we'd be about five to ten degrees healed over mm. which that's like catamaran healing yeah it's nothing yeah it's, it's nothing. yeah like we keep cups on the table standing upright with water yeah. in them and they stay there they don't fall over it's it's nice <laughs> yeah and and i mean there's like there's a lot of um i suppose there's a lot of pros to it i i like the idea that you could basically just keep a complete spare rig in a in a locker and it's not actually taking up that much weight and you can just get that rig yeah. and fold it up and put it in a bag Whereas if you want a spare yeah. steel rig, you, you need to get you know, like a drum this type of size and it weighs so much. Yeah. It's so true. We and we do. We carry an entire spare yeah. rig. So when I yeah. when I re-rigged, I had I bought an extra spool that way I could rig it again. Cause mm -hmm. I thought, what if we're like on a deserted island and one of the stays chafes through and like now what? So I was like, okay, we'll just have enough to make a whole new rig and we'll be fine. <laughs> and we haven't needed it. Yeah, we'll carrying this around for. I mean, the biggest thing is like it's so obvious if something is wrong with your rigging. Uh, mm. Whereas with steel, it's like really hard to detect. You almost need a magnifying yeah, glass to do. just these hairline fractures, you know. Mm -hmm. But with Dyneema, like you'll start to see it get fuzzy, and you'll be oh that that line's getting a little old, you know. But you've got time. You've got plenty of time, and it's mm. and you put these chafe protection covers, and boom, you're fine. Yeah. So, and there well, so when they were new there was concern about uv damage yeah that was, and they that found was my question that, yeah there <laughs> isn't actually so the yeah. oh right the okay. outer, <laughs> yeah the, the, so on any stay the outer 0.1 microns gets destroyed so a tenth of a micron right. gets destroyed by the uv and then it then shields everything yeah that was so the protection there for is the, no loss of strength. most of the yeah. strength Interesting. Yeah. So UV isn't really an issue that we've now figured yeah. that out. UV's gone. You, it's literally just chafe. Just uh, chafe. And the stretch. The, chafe and heat. If the, someone the like, yeah, everyone talks about, oh, someone gets mad at you and they take a knife and cut your rigging. It's actually really hard to cut Dyneema. Like, it's not yeah, easy. Yeah. Try, I've got, I've yeah. got a little bit of Dyneema all over this room for a while. I've tested it. It's very difficult. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, if you take a lighter to it, that'll make it go quick. But the same oh, thing. Oh, right. Like, okay. Uh, like you piss someone off and they come on your boat with bolt cutters they'll just chop right through your steel rigging it's like be nice to people i think, that, I think that's ridiculous yeah. that that's where people go like oh but what about how easy it is to vandalize it like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, don't buy a house with windows because people could smash them yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> sold yeah, them in a box like, yeah. your car it's like no that's not uh, something that we're worrying about yeah. uh, just be nice to people yeah just be nice in general I mean, I, the biggest challenge with Dyneema rigging that you just don't get with steel is the creep, the stretch uh, during the heat and Yeah, so it's the, the thermal cold. expansion yeah. is a thing. So when it's, it, it's- Is this it's like season backwards. to season or could you notice a difference like day and night? 
if you get a cold snap, you'll notice it day and night. Yeah. Oh, so, really? uh, when I'm going to try and make the centigrade. It's not you. significant enough that your oh, whole, no, I'm not saying like, it's not like your rig is going to fall down. Like, yeah, it's not, <laughs> but okay. So if, if it's about 24 degrees, okay. Okay. So I tuned our rigging for 80 Fahrenheit, which I believe is about 24, 26 centigrade, somewhere in that range. Somewhere yeah, around think, there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, when it goes down to zero, or it goes down to 32 Fahrenheit, which is zero centigrade. So that 20 degree jump, or almost 30 degree jump, the rigging will stretch about a quarter inch, which is about six millimeters. So, or it expands. It's oh, not so that's stretch. manageable. That's not. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah, that's that completely bad. manageable then. If yeah. you have winter yeah. and you tighten your rigging because you want to go sailing, and then there's like that weird warm day in spring when it's like, it gets really warm oh, and you, you go sailing. It. Your rigging is going to contract and it'll just, it'll break your boat. Because it'll tighten right. and you, you're already too tight. Yeah. So, so you like, just that's have, the thing to you have to be aware. You know? So like we have friends that uh, they're rigged with synthetic and they want to do high latitude sailing. I'm like, just check it. Like, and you check it with a thermometer because you have it set. And if you're, mm. you know, in this temperature range, you're fine. If you start creeping to an extreme, either tighten it or loosen it. Like that's all it is. So that, but I'd say like, yeah. you know, what type majority... of equipment do you use to, um, to tension the rig? Uh, Jack, if you want to no. check up on it, you want to check that it's the correct tension. What equipment do you use oh, for that? Uh, my arm. I, I wiggle it. Is really what it, it's oh, right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, the big one, yeah. you want it tensioned so that when, so the rigging is tight. You should start selling your arms then because it sounds like they're quite useful. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's why they pay him the <laughs> Yeah, but so what it comes down to is uh, when you're hard on the wind and 20 knots of wind, you want the leeward shrouds to go slack. If they are still tight, then your rigging is too tight. If they go slack before 20 knots, okay. you're on the loose side. Like that's the a good ballpark starting like to get it tuned. But like loose gauges and all that, you so can you do it. simplify it. Yeah, you can do a loose gauge, but you pay a lot of money for the gauge and then at the end you still have to do it by feel because if you do it all by the numbers on the gauge the, the gauge assumes that the chain plates and the tangs on the mast and everything are, are perfect and symmetrical and they never are so the tensions are always slightly different on everything so it's you still have to tune it you know, you know sight the mast make sure it's in column and then check the rigging by hand so it's like if you did a gauge the gauge is just going to calibrate your arm so that way you can feel when it's right so mm. kind of <laughs> you don't really and need at what the point did you convert oh did, was your boat actually was your boat did it come with our boat was or did you you changed no, it, it over it was steel. yeah so what happened uh okay it was eighteen thousand to re-rig our boat in steel and i was like no Whoa. so then i contacted caligo because they were the ones that do all the synthetic stuff and they were cheaper in the long run but it was twenty six thousand. but the next so time i would re yeah but the next time i would re-rig would be cheaper because i didn't have to buy all the collegial fittings again like that's not cheaper like that's more expensive than steel so then i did it myself mm -hmm. for 4400 and that's what i did the website on of like how to do it yourself with very inexpensive oh. materials so it's and the 4400 included the entire spare rig so it's 
pretty cheap. So that's two rigs. <laughs> yeah, that's two rigs for forty four hundred. So that's twenty two hundred a rig. Uh -huh. In other words, like it's. Yeah. And how, how would you rate it in terms of like difficulty DIY scale? Would you say it's a project that a normal uh, person who takes care of regular maintenance on the boat could do? Yes. So the one that I did is a little tricky. Uh, so I'm actually working with a partner and we're, we're making a system that is a lot easier to do <laughs> because it, okay. it can be done. But like, and he does take you through step by step. Yeah, like, like on the on website the, yeah. and the, the channel and all, like I show like exactly how I do it and all the steps. And for example, to make a dead eye, it takes me about an hour and it's incredibly tedious. And if you miss one thing or you did one thing that looks right, but is backwards, the whole thing falls apart. So it's like kind of tricky, but it's not impossible. I mean, I figured it out. I, I not, mean, yeah, but... For your average, I feel like you also have to have a basic understanding of rigging. Yeah, that would be very important. Because That's most people, like most sailors, I would say, hire oh. other people to do their rigging. Um, yeah. And that, there's no shame in yeah. that at all. Uh, but if you want to embark on this uh, kind of quest for Dyneema, I feel like you need to read the rigger's apprentice just have like a general understanding of how rigging works yeah and then mm. things will start falling into place and make sense with herbie's kind of diy um yeah. steps but you you do need that foreknowledge yes yeah, so you need one, one of the pros of having the uh, having a dyneema rig for, for me is that it can be so self-maintaining as opposed to yeah. a normal steel rig so yeah it yeah. makes sense yeah. to learn a lot about it before yeah. And you have a guide for how for having to, to do this. Yeah. So it shows you all the steps of how to do it. And it talks through the, the theory, the theory, like basic theory of all the things. Like if you read it all, you'll understand how rigging goes and how to do it yourself and not muck it up. But it won't make it. It's not that you'd then be able to like invent a new rig from it. Like it, it doesn't cover <laughs> that level of in-depth knowledge on it. So it's how exactly. to change it from a steel rig into a dining rig. Yeah, like like this is okay. your mask that you have, and this is how you would make it synthetic, not how yeah. you would take a boat that doesn't have a mast and like how to design the entire rig. Like it doesn't go into that. Because <laughs> that's it's a bit more advanced. Yeah. Who already have a boat to try to do that side because like anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And so this is like a guide that's available on your website, you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, riggingdoctor.com. Yeah, oh, amazing. And then all the videos, like the how-to videos we have are pretty much videos of the blog articles of how to do it. Because, you know, step-by-step -step pictures is nice, but if you're like, wait, how did this strand of a rope get there? It's like with the video, you see everything. With the two together, yeah. it gives you a pretty That's good true. visual idea of how it works. Do you yeah. charge for this? Is this something that you buy? No. <laughs> Ah, this 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 could fund the electric batteries. You know this. <laughs> get this online. Get, okay. get some money in. So our plan, um, when we get back to the states, uh, our plans are: I'm going to make an actual well, a book that teaches you how to rig, like from start to finish, Brilliant. and then a video series that shows you everything, like the whole thing. And, and for that, that, you that will we would pay. charge. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing that does help, though, is like certain people who are following that blog post and have questions and like would like Kirby to be kind of like available to answer questions, they become patrons. Yeah, yeah. so then I become like a rigger on call and they, you know, 
with Patreon, the nice thing is it's per month. So while they need me, they pay for advice. And then like any questions, they call me, some call me a lot. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when they're done with the project, they, they stop their Patreon and, and that's it. Like, or, some happy of them continue. or they continue. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's nice. It's, uh, it's as you need and how much you need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's great because that you're you're actually making like a real difference in these people's you know like boating lives as yeah. well. Like you're able to do not 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 the usual right. Patreon thing where you're contributing, but you're you're actually helping them. You're contributing to their sale experience. Yeah. Well, I, we have kind of we have trouble accepting free money. So, yeah. well, so my whole issue, the reason I started the website. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so, my issue was like with the Caligo stuff it was such a ripoff and I'm like why like why it doesn't have to be this way so I, I made it and I'm like this is how you do it for super cheap and I wasn't charging people because cruisers don't have a lot of money and to fork out a ton of money to pay for something that you could do for a lot less or for for free the other I, thing is like we're, we're so. passionate about this mm -hmm. system I, yeah, we want so, it we want it to yeah. get around and we want to show people that it can work and that you can do it so if more people can afford to do it the more people do do it and then it, it's seen and then it's not the weird thing like when we pull into an anchorage usually someone comes along like what is this but if there were you know six boats like this we'd be another synthetic boat instead of those weirdos i mean we're <laughs> taking it back like it, everything goes in a cycle right like we're we're going back to rope <laughs> yeah because 200 years ago it was rope it was hemp and then it was people would probably recognize what that was about yeah yeah, yeah. they would recognize what that was more than they do now yeah hold up your mask yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why are you using shiny, expensive steel up at the top of your boat? That's such a stupid idea. Think of the weight. <laughs> they were back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of the future, you said that you are. Are you sailing back up to Baltimore next after after you've uh, finished well, the season in the Caribbean? We're very slowly. Yeah, yeah. we're going to slowly make our way up the ICW, trying to meet as many people as we can. Uh, yeah, and when we were coming down the ICW, we were rushing, yeah. and we saw a lot of cool towns that we didn't get to see enough of and we still talk about them and we really wanted to see them we're like hey why don't we just go up gradually and see all these towns plus all the ones we missed completely so we're gonna make our way slowly um but yes we're gonna be docking in annapolis when we come back for yes. a really exciting project yeah so we okay you know how people with a boat are crazy <laughs> so we we are twice as crazy because we have two boats and our other boat is on the hard our and, other boat is on the hard in Annapolis. We have an Allberg 30. Yeah, and nice. we well, when the trip started with nine months, I paid for two years of on the hard because I'm like, we'll definitely be back by then, you know, be saddled and, you know, start working on this thing. And then in two years, I'll be ready to launch. And then we've been away for four years now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going to take this Allberg 30 and we're going to completely kind of rebuild it revamp it and we're gonna take all of the knowledge that we have acute accrued uh over the past at that point it'll be four years of sailing and we're gonna just put all of that into this Alberg 30 and make it the ultimate cruising yacht like the we're gonna do all the, like yeah, yeah. Like all the things that we loved 
and that we saw that we wanted and we're just going to put it into this boat we're going to convert it to electric we're going to convert it to synthetic and we're going to put a bowsprit we're going to turn it into a cutter like all these things yeah the stuff that we feel you need to go safely cruising and the other thing is it's going to be like the minimum of what you need because yeah, we see Charlie. uh some people they spend so much money on like all these electronics and gizmos that then they're fixing later because it's it's a nightmare yeah it's like or you could have saved all that money and gone cruising earlier and be happy and mm. yeah it's so the idea is to show people like if you want to go from a boat like that boat doesn't even have plumbing or wiring like it's it's a bare <laughs> boat uh to show them what you need like what you actually have to buy to make a boat cruise worthy we're gonna spend some time in annapolis when we get back and really work on this this other boat and just make a series showing people exactly what you just said <laughs> well that's so cool as well because if you think like a, a, the type not maybe maybe not a specific boat but like a 30-foot boat which is kind of bare bones is is in the majority yeah. of people's reach financially and yeah. you guys are putting together a channel on how to take that bare basic boat and and fit it out for crossing an ocean. That's brilliant. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, it's really like the one we have is from 1966. So she's 55 now. It's really old and they're really cheap. Yeah. And you actually mm. see them like on Craigslist for free and stuff. Like but they're, they're also incredibly yeah. seaworthy. Yeah. So yeah, so very strong. Yeah. 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 Because I you see someone on like a YouTube channel, it's like, hey, we just got this like multi-million dollar boat and we're gonna go cruising on it. It's like, yeah. That's unrealistic. No one can <laughs> no one else can do that. But yeah, having a, a budget boat with a budget mm -hmm. build to then go, it's I think that'd be awesome. I think it's gonna be successful. I'm really, really yeah, excited much. for it. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's gonna be brilliant. And it and it will attract like a completely new audience as well of not known not only the people who are crossing oceans now but the people who are like oh, i want to cross an ocean in five years i want to start yeah. today and then they can follow you guys yeah, yeah. so yeah it's going to be great I'm glad but to hear listen it's that. been <laughs> no no I, th I think that'll be amazing but uh, thank you very much for taking the time um to to speak to me and everybody listen it's been great to learn about your story in a bit more detail and I'm really looking forward to those uh, refit boats, uh, refit boat videos that are coming up. Um, the best of luck with it. It sounds like it's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks You're so welcome. much for having us. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And uh, oh, no, hopefully, yeah, hopefully some people who haven't heard of us will tune in. You know, and uh, we're just so happy to share our story. Yeah. No, it's brilliant, guys. All right. Speak soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. If you want to support the production of these podcasts, you can become a member of our community on Patreon, where you will be able to access extra content, interact with our guests, and become a part of the show.